Welcome to Point of Growth with me, your host, at Brian Makarichi. I'm sitting here with an old friend of mine. We haven't been together for quite some time, um, and I want to introduce you guys to the Chief Executive Officer of the eHub, which is a local TV show that is coming up. You guys need to look out for that. It's going to be on your screen soon. It's already been on your screens. It's just that um, the lockdown imposed stuff, but I believe we are going bigger this year, this coming year, I mean. So he is also the former chairman of the Toastmasters, uh, the Leadership Institute of Southern Africa. And he is, by profession, a corporate trainer and a speaker, somebody that is within the circles of what I do. How are you doing, Andrew? Very good, thanks. How are you? I'm so excited to have you on this podcast. Finally. Yeah, it's been a long time that we've spoken about having you on this podcast, if you still remember. I remember. Very yeah, good. but hey, COVID got us tied up, and we are broadcasting this live here in Johannesburg. We had to come all the way to Johannesburg to get Andrew. That's how much What a privilege is. this is. <laughs> Thanks for coming through. Yeah, man. So I want to talk to you and just give an overview to some of our listeners to get to understand what it is that you guys do. Um, maybe let's start, for instance, by talking about who's Andrew. Ah, that's a, how much time do you have for that? Um, let me give a minute or two to talk about <laughs> who's Andrew. I know it's, it's going to take long. And thank you for asking how much time I have on that. Otherwise, we'll spend the whole day here. Nah, so not really. So Andrew, is, as you know him, uh, takes no losing night lightly. You yeah. also know that Andrew was always out to set the pace. Yeah. Uh, commonly and popularly known for loving the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, and so Why more or less... Why together as well? Exactly. Yeah. So at the end of the day, that's more of the nature of what Andrew is all about, but genuinely interested in seeing people or training and developing people to be at their peak performance. That's what you would... I'm in love with the fact that you brought in the aspect of training and seeing people grow. Mm. The point of growth podcast focuses on how do we develop our people and be better. Let me put you on the spot for a second. You some at some point go to do training. Uh, Mercedes-Benz, you go to different companies. I just mentioned that to the specific because it's a big brand that people can relate to. And I wanted to ask you this. What is that one thing that you identify that you, you would say, not specifically the company that we mentioned, but what would you say is one of the things that people in bigger brands that work for big companies sometimes tend to overlook, which is essential for the growth of their businesses too? Emotional intelligence. Yeah. Um, and emotional intelligence obviously encompasses a lot of other things like problem solving, like cool. communication. Yes. Um, but emotional intelligence becomes the key element that I find that is lacking in many of our corporates. And it's obviously, if we're to really go down to it, it boils down to self-awareness. All right. So when we speak about emotional intelligence, maybe one question that we could address right now is, Somebody wants to know, what is emotional intelligence? What are you talking about when you say emotional intelligence? Let's just have that broken down to us by Andrew. Admire emotional intelligence is relating to people. Yes. People are emotional beings. True. We are known as emotional beings. Anything that we do is emotional. Yeah. So emotional intelligence is how do you relate to people to build relationships? And that for any conflict that you encounter, for any experience that you have, whenever things don't go right, there's a need for emotional intelligence and for relationships to grow, whether personal relationships or professional relationships, emotional intelligence is the cornerstone of that. Wow, you've nailed it and I believe our listeners are benefiting from this. So when you speak about that, let me address specifically to leaders and managers and people that are in positions that give directions to the people they lead. What is that one thing, apart from emotional intelligence, that you think they also need to keep in mind or look into developing? 
communication skills, um, I think, are the key element in that setting. Yes. Obviously, anything that we do as leaders is really about solving a certain problem. You are serving a certain cause true. that is there. Yeah, so your ability to communicate that because you're not going to be doing this on your own. Yeah. When you're a leader, you do this with people around you. And the ability to communicate the cause and how to solve the problem that you're dealing with is key is a key element and hence i say communication is possibly the key element in that setting okay no i i understand you now i want us to talk about this real quick the the, the aspect of being a public speaker let's just sh talk about how did we get there how did andrew become on the platform and let's not talk about i've always done this since i was a child well if that is the case <laughs> like you know how it goes yes. um i really genuinely did start this from a child from a childhood age at eleven yeah. in school and primary school, and it became something that I found solace in. I enjoyed it, but professionally in public speaking, it's something that I decided to do as a hobby. And then through Toastmasters, my involvement in Toastmasters, I got invited to speak at various corporates, and that's how eventually I found myself in the stages that I never assumed I would ever be in. You know, that, that makes me um, feel like I need, we need to address and inspire also the upcoming speakers out there. Um, let's talk about that gap before you started getting paid for speaking and having to juggle up everything, you know, putting together the material that you have to go and present, how to get there, so, uh, and so forth, marketing yourself, positioning yourself in the professional space. How do you get to go about that as a speaker? As an upcoming speaker, rather, we are referring to the Andrew before he was paid right. to speak. Right. So I've got a friend of mine who says, trust the process. And the process, you don't overnight become a professional True. paid public speaker. Yes. Um, you've got to trust the process. And part of the process starts with you having the willingness to become that person, mm. right? You need to identify. And sometimes identifying this means looking out in the industry and seeing who do you want to almost be at the same stage as. Yes. Uh, we've got the Les Browns of this world that are topping when it comes to motivational speaking. True. And we've got our locals champions that speak and, you know, move mountains. But it starts with having that admiration for other people who have done it before. Okay. Learn their journey, yes. right? It's not a journey that you walk alone. You learn through others. What have they done? That's the first thing. The second thing that I would recommend is mm -hmm. be, be, be widely read. Uh, you know, reading is going to expose you to many things. And I think for you to be able to serve the audience, because that's what you do when you're a professional paid speaker. Yes. You serve the audience through something that you would have learned and then you transfer it through speech. And that's, for me, the reading was another big part of it. Let's talk to the marketing. Yes. Uh, marketing is not like you're going to be a product in a store that's of going course, to be waiting. Yeah, it's a of, different thing. Right? You're offering a service. You're offering a service. So part of offering the service, the person who's buying your service needs to have experience of your service. So sometimes you find that you do a lot of free engagements, free gigs where you go and speak, whether it's for you, depending on the audience that you're looking for, whether it's going to schools where you go and share your message or maybe in certain organization, it can even start within your team at work, wherever you are. The idea is that is how you market yourself. And obviously, when we look into social media nowadays, it has helped many things come to be together. And so your social media presence, whatever you do when you speak to people, remember it's about serving the audience about its current yeah, need. Yeah. So your social media presence is also going to be a good aid in your development as a professional speaker. And that's the whole journey that I went through. I also got to a point where 
I remembered that I always needed to learn from others. Yes. I needed to have a teachable spirit. Mm. So what I thought was great public speaking when I was a child was not what I realized is what I need to be doing. I mean, I can agree with you on that. For instance, the first time I got experienced by, uh, with, with, uh, I got affiliated with Toastmasters at some point, I, I, I then picked up that there are things that we call our counties and so forth. So if you're not putting yourself as a speaker in such places for development, then you're going nowhere. So mm. yeah, I, I think I agree mm. with you on mm. that. Mm. Yeah. It's for me, that was, like you mentioned Toastmasters, it was a major uh, developmental area because I got to learn to be have the power to tell my own story and use my story to inspire other people. Uh. Yet before then, what I would do is I would go to Dr. Gugu, search for as many quotes as I can find, make them come out in a sentence, in a paragraph, and then that would be my speech. But now I realize I wasn't connecting with people. Yes. And until I told my own story, I was able to inspire through the connection of others. So learn to receive feedback and review it so that you can apply to become better. And I think that is the journey that, as a speaker, you continuously need to go through. That's your Kaizen. That's your continuous great, improvement. Great, great, great. Now, you, you spoke about feedback, and that, that makes me feel like asking you this question. What is the craziest negative, whether constructive or not, feedback that you received from a client or from one of the people in the audience of, a, uh, of an event that you spoke at, or whether you were an MC, whatever that you were doing there that, w that is related to public speaking? What was the most negative feedback that you can say up to now that still um, comes to your mind, per se? Damn, I have to think. I think it would be... I don't think it was the most negative, but it was the most uh, prominent at that stage. Okay. It is, you're too deep for your age. Okay, okay. So I genuinely get invited to speak, but maybe they invite me and because they're like, ah, this young guy. Yeah. And so sometimes when I get to speak about certain things, uh, certain situations, and because I infuse a little bit of emotional intelligence, which yes. is what I've studied, I get to learn that sometimes it gets too deep for people. It gets uncomfortable. Yes. So I've been it's always... It's not a subject that everybody wants no, to No, 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 no. So I, I get to touch nerves, and that is something that I've been warned to say, hey, uh, people might not like you. It's the truth, but people might not like you, and we need to be uh, cognizant of that. And so every time I get to get the privilege of being on stage, I need to remember that not to really be too deep or too, too nervy. In, in, in a sense. Great stuff. Now, one of the questions I have for you is, now you get booked for an event mm -hmm. and you're ready for the event. What do you do before you become ready? What, is, what process do you go through as a speaker? Let, let's talk about Andrew for a second. What does Andrew do after knowing that? Uh, let's, let's per se start from the engagement of a client just calling you to want to discuss your fears and stuff like that. How do you go about the whole process of preparing yourself? for the event? So I think for me, the first thing that I need to know without a doubt is what value add am I am I expected to bring? Okay. It's all good and well to be a motivational speaker at a year-end function, but I need to understand what motivation am I giving to True. that audience? Uh, what are they struggling with? Because motivation is a big concept, yeah. right? So they might be struggling with sales. So sometimes I need to go and motivate sales people to be persistent. Yes. They might be struggling with just a situation where it's retrenchment. So I need to be able to help them see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Ah. I need to be able to identify what value add am I bringing. So that's the first thing before we even really discuss about the charges and the fees. It's understanding what value add am I expected to bring in a setting in a certain organization. So that's the first thing. Once that is clear, and obviously that's a very intense process because sometimes they just think, well, no, we just want a motivational speaker. 
but it's a problem when you just want a motivational speaker because you will not be able to value what I'm going to bring up. Yeah. And I also need to be able to prepare accordingly. So hence, they say in, in speaking, we call it knowing your audience. What is it that your audience really wants? Okay. So that's the first uh, step. First stages, yeah. And then following that, it's obviously understanding, you know, the logistics. Yes. Are we speaking to a group of 100? Are we speaking to a group of 20? Are we speaking to a group of 500? Hmm. When you know those dynamics, you know how to position yourself. Yes. Right? And again, those logistics could involve, am I going to be using a microphone? Am I going to be need to belt out? Am I needing to use PowerPoint? Am I needing to use a flip chart? Whatever method, techniques you use, those are logistical elements that are key. Where is it going to be? Is it in an auditorium? Is it a classroom setting? setting? What kind of setting is it? Because that also affects how you deliver your message, right? Yeah. Um, the time also also involves, do I need to be engaging in a sense of, do I need some feedback verbally or do I need emotional feedback? Because again, that's a dynamic that needs to be involved. So all those logistics are part and parcel of understanding where it is. And then the setting. So yes. sometimes I get invited because it's a year and function or uh, it's a conference. A year and function, you know, you're likely to be the only speaker. Yeah, most probably. Right? Yeah. So you now know the showstopper is I. Then at a conference, are you the opening speaker? If you're the opening speaker, you need to raise the energy. Yes. If you're the closing speaker, you need to show stop. So that ability stopping to understand is stopping in with a bang or yeah. ending it with a bang. You need to have a memorable message that leaves them on. So your ability to understand the logistics behind that are also going to be imperative. And once I know those logistics, now I need to prepare. How do I align myself with that? I research more about the organization. Yes. What are the challenges? What are the experiences? Who are some of the people that have been high flyers so that I can relate to them? I don't want to give them an example of someone who is out of their geographical area who they cannot relate to. I need to be able to relate. And what experience do I have in that? I don't want to tell them something that's on the internet. I want to tell them something that I may have experienced that I have the right to tell the story around. So that's more or less um, the process I go through right up until the day I know what I tire to wear. I know uh, how to psych myself up. If it's a, if it's a religious organization, I, I've got my Christian music that psychs me up and I know what to yeah. reference to it. Yeah. If it is a young, youthful party or organ uh, engagement, I also know the Amapianos to play. No, 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 no. Now we're doing Amapiano. So oh, we don't do... It's now time for Amapiano. Nice. Ama so I, it works that in that setting and that's how it, mm, it progresses. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. Okay. Now, we not drifting away from the topic that we're focusing on, emotional intelligence, I just want to ask you this question. Mm. Emotional intelligence makes sense to somebody who's in corporate more than somebody who's just at home. But if you really look at it, it's those people that are at home who also need to be emotionally intelligent to ensure that when they get into these professional setups, they do not get undermined, they do not get to take things in the wrong way. Right. Right. So how can we help our fathers, our brothers, our sisters who are unemployed who are at home? How can we stay intelligent emotionally? So... My mother reminds me every time that charity begins at home. Yes. Obviously, in other contexts, whether it's cleanliness and any other things, but I've taken that in every setting. Mm. Charity begins at, at home. home. So when charity begins at home, what does it mean? It reminds us that we need to be able to start at home. So, yes, it makes sense in corporate. No, no, no. It, it shows up in corporate. In corporate. It brings way in a striker. It's important. 